Welcome to the Ravelin Podcast. Today I had an interesting chat with Sam Peake, who works with us here at Ravelin on the Investigations Analysis Team. Uh, Sam is an ex-Marine who's taken some of his signals, signals intelligence training and applied it to um, the sort of world of risk that many of our clients face. Uh, it's a really interesting conversation about how that sort of works with the machine learning models that we use, the type of investigations that they look into, um, the type of feedback that they get from clients. and. You know, I think it will give a pretty good insight into the uh, the reality of using a fraud detection system like ours to uh, to help secure your business. Hope you enjoy. Welcome to the uh, podcast, uh, your debut appearance, I think, on a, yeah. uh, on our show. Um, so it's great to have you on board. You've been working with us now for you know bones of a year, I guess, and um, I think it's a really interesting and, and slightly unusual team that you're working for in the, in the world of sort of uh, fraud protection. I just wonder if you tell us a little bit about the responsibilities of the investigations analysis team. Yeah, of course. So, I mean, the team's kind of set up to provide bespoke investigatory support, really. And the main function, the main reason why the team was generated was to have that investigatory analysis from experienced backgrounds, from my background in the military, um, other police backgrounds, data science, academia, but be able to do in-depth analysis on fraud methodologies, trade crafts, how they're trying to actually bypass security systems, what are the kind of items they're going after, is there any flags that we can actually identify further for, yeah, identifying the fraud. So we do that, but we also do other kind of support in terms of, uh, in conjunction with the clients, looking at reasons why Ravelin has taken that action, why they may not have taken that action, um, data quality as well, yeah, is there uh, an issue with the way that data is being sent to us, or can we use it in a slightly different way? Um, we do that kind of bespoke analytical support. We do performance reporting as well. If, you know, if we start you know, playing around with the machine uh, in the models, um, mm-hmm. how does that actually affect um, what's going on in the real world? Are we getting better at detecting fraud, getting worse? If we're setting up rules or you know, playing with a network, other, yeah, it's, it's, it's how we can actually better improve Ravelin service. So it kind of all wraps around to that. I suppose on the outside looking in, I guess the first question I would have is like, shouldn't this shouldn't this be taken care of by the machine learning models? Isn't that their job? Isn't this, you know, yeah. why, why are humans involved in this process yeah. at all? I mean, can you... I mean, I, ultimately, yeah, it comes from my background as well, but I, I see this as a conjunction. Yeah, the the model is, and from, from starting here, it, it truly is fantastic in what it can do. Um, but the model is only as good as what we tell it to look at and, and tell it to calculate. And mm-hmm. from my experiences, you, know, you still need that human insight and analytical capability to do things slightly unconventional and out of the realms of the, 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 the parameters of the certain features that we play into the model. And so that's what we kind of brought to the party is that we can take the, the raw data that the clients send us offline, um, we can play around with it in new and interesting ways, and then we can almost, um, you know, we, we, can, we can then put it back into a signals intelligence perspective of how do we actually develop the, the machine learning features to automate that detection. So it's that initial kind of insight from, from the human being and then extrapolated to the, to the sheer yeah, size of the, uh, the problem, which is then using the machine learning. So it's a 50-50 split in my opinion. I mean, again, I, I'm, I'm trying to tease around how it's a slightly unusual approach. I mean, I can think of companies who have customer support uh, functions and companies that have customer success, which I think is the same thing there, rebadged. Yeah. Um, I mean, how do you think, as far as you know, like, how do you think your role compares to a sort of traditional customer support thing, which mm-hmm. I'm guessing is someone puts in and says, my, you know, knob and my dashboard isn't working compared yeah. to, you know, the questions we're asking you. Yeah. I mean, so I, I see it far more as a client success, but more like a, a raveling success, you know, as we integrate with the clients and, and, we, and we interact with the clients. 
we are far more focused on how can we better our detection in terms of decreasing fraud and increasing um, you know, the, the amount of genuine customers that we are impact, or, yeah, we're not impacting. So in that sense, it, it is a kind of client success role, but we're far more um, focused on the, f- the fraud and the underlying characteristics of fraud and in yep. terms of that success. So how do we better fine tune our features and our model to actually detect the fraud? And, it, and a lot of it is very, very unconventional. Yeah, we can use a, a far wider range of um, intelligence sources than we would get just from the data that the clients send us. Mm-hmm. So we can also use open source research, we can use human intelligence, we can use imagery intelligence, for instance. We, we, there's a All wide right. range of things we can use to actually um, you know, further create a narrative from the data and then take that and then see whether we can actually learn. Uh, yeah, can we automate it from a machine learning point of view. So it's more of a success in that point. And we do yeah. a lot actually as well. You know, we, 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 we interact with the clients as well from their perspective of what they see their fraud and what they see their performance is. Mm-hmm. So they regularly come to us and say, okay, that this fraud network, you know, we have persistent attacks. So we've seen this a couple of years ago prior to Ravelin's integration. And we do a far more, you know, a, a, a joint um, effort into actually you know, further identifying those underlying causes of the fraud. Okay. Um, I mean, perhaps the easiest way to illustrate this is some, some examples of the type of investigations that you've done for clients mm-hmm. without naming names or yeah. uh, giving too much away. Can you talk about sort of what types of things, what type of fraud, you know, and what sort of results you've been able to get? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So I've had like a few different investigations running over the last few months and um, some of them are, you know, where the model has missed maybe a, a, a specific thing. And so, for instance, um, one of the one, one things that we saw was um, in a... A country somewhere in the southern hemisphere that we saw yep. a spike of fraud and as we tuned the models we noticed that actually the model still wasn't detecting it uh, from the features that we were using and so we took off the all the chargeback data that we had and we could link it to all the, all the prior order data and the customer data and we can have a you know we can we can query it in certain ways and group in certain ways that we can actually look at you know what's the account age where they're located and a far more um, in-depth analysis in that way and what we found was actually um, that the, predominantly the chargebacks were originating from a specific place, mm-hmm. um, particularly a university. And okay. we started then, okay, this is interesting. We knew the name of the university. We could then actually uh, contact the university uh, academia staff and engage with them, talk about, you know, we had certain, uh, we knew where the main campus was, but we tried to group around where other halls of residence were as well. Yeah. And we could start looking at, you know, the, the account ages. And we started splitting them up as well into when the academic year was going. And right. we actually started looking at some other open source uh, information about how they were talking about fraud and how they were talking about uh, trying to bypass fraud, security rules, etc. Right, right. Uh, and so we grew that onto one big report and then we could send it off to the client uh, you know, as a, look, this is the fraud problem, this is how we've identified it. And then also from our investigation, look, these are the now features that we're going to push into the machine learning and these are all the other you know, rules, etc. other bits and pieces we can do. So solve yeah. the problem. Talk to me a little bit about Mark. A little bit more about how that sort of interaction with the the sort of machine model engineering team works. Is that's probably I don't know if that's expected or not. I mean, I, I think people are not clear on how machine learning functions actually get the information to work on the features to extract. Yeah. is this how it happens? Is this basically we see stuff and we we have that communication, we figure out how to turn it into numbers. I mean, can you talk a little yeah. bit about that sort of yeah, definitely, sort of yeah. circle, I guess. Yeah. I mean, so from my point of view, either it comes from the client raising an issue where 
uh, they are seeing something. Now, it may not be a case of it's a big fraud issue. It may just be a case of, oh, here's a couple of things that the machine missed. They'll pass them to me or the investigation team and they'll say, is there anything interesting in here? Or is there any, is there any further data that we can send you that we can maybe identify these cases earlier? And we'll take that offline and play around with it and see if we can identify some underlying trends to it. Mm-hmm. Things that, you know, and we can obviously look at how the model looked at that as well. And we can do that historically of, you know, every single extraction that we have, every single time that we scored the, the order, what were those, what were the contributing, um, yeah, what were the contributing features that made that score? And we can look at how they've, what we missed, or, yeah. Yeah, and what could we collect. Um, and so, again, another example would be, um, we had uh, one of our event ticket type clients, um, another, you know, it was a fraud tradecraft, um, trying to bypass detection by, they were focusing on really fraudy tickets, and uh, tickets of high value, yeah. but in order to make their baskets look less fraudy, they were then including other tickets in there, less fraudy tickets. So trying to do a, you know, skew the, the order value, but also with the, the basket contents to, to make it appear less fraudy and not get detected. Sure. Um, so from that, we could yeah, take all that data and then we actually identified a, to do with the start times and locations of the events and some other bit details. We can actually transfer that you know, insight that we gained from looking at the orders into a, a, a mathematical way of querying that data and in a way that we can actually pass it onto the detection team to say, okay, yeah, we can now create a feature because we record all this data. We just need to create a, a small script in Python that looks at that and calculates it. Yeah. And then we'll just push it into the model. The model will then evaluate all the previous orders it will then say, yeah, there's a good strong correlation between fraud and genuine. And in this case, I think it was somewhere in the region of if you had these specific characteristic traits, it was 75% fraud and 1% yeah, not fraud. It was, right. yeah, it was, it was you know, from, from manually reviewed individuals. And um, so, yeah, the, the correlation was really highly strong. So it gets pushed into the live model and then we use that as a feature in the future. And we've done that a few times with lots of different things. Okay. And your background, though, and the same with the other members of your team, it's not, um, it's not machine learning for a start. Yeah. Uh, it's not even typically where customer uh, support people come from. Yeah. You, your background specifically is, is military. Yeah. Uh, not as police background and some yeah. of the other people. I mean, how does what you knew then or the skills that you acquired in, in I guess, the signals intelligence role, mm-hmm. how, how do they apply in, the, in this one? Is it similar? Is it very different? Is it... It's a bit, a bit the same, a bit different. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, all of the above. Yeah, it's a bit same, bit different. Right. Yeah, but I think the underlying traits, the underlying kind of like methodologies, is still there. You know, it, you know, my my background speciality was human intelligence, uh, but I work closely with signals intelligence and imagery imagery intelligence. And mm. the the main takeaway that I've got from the operation. So imagery intelligence is what looking at pictures. And yes, that's it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. it's satellite imagery or aircraft yeah. imagery or various other kind of tools and bits and pieces you can put onto an aircraft to do the yeah. same thing. But yeah, it's, it's uh, all of those. And I, I specialize human intelligence, but the main thing from the, with the takeaway from the operations was that we never focused on one stream of intelligence. You know, it was never just signals intelligence. It was never just human intelligence. All we do from the very start is we'd find something of interest um, through one of those streams and then we'd task all the assets onto it to then further refine and gain greater fidelity and granularity in the information to then actually make it to the point where it's actionable and usable. Yeah. And that's very much the case here as well. Yeah, we, we do open source intelligence. We do human intelligence. We, we do signals intelligence from the data that we have that we collect from the clients. And then we combine that all together to actually you know, have that clear intelligence picture. The only thing that's different here is that you know, my previous work is far more focused on specific groups and actors, yeah. whereas the, 
the size and scale of it here is just, I mean, it is truly unfathomable, the amount of like transactions and orders and customers that are occurring yeah, every day. Yeah, I, was, I was going to ask that question. I mean, what, what is the biggest difference, I guess, uh, between what you were looking at there and here? And, and I guess also, like before you started, what were you mm. expecting it to be like? And yeah. How different is it or is it different than as it's turned out to be yeah. compared to that sort of preconception? Well, when I first actually joined, um, yeah, and the discussions I was having with the, with the recruiter that, that took me on board um, was, you know, they, they were telling me about identifying specific groups of forces, and you can see the trace of actually individuals and, and following individuals quite closely yeah, yeah. Uh, as they as they committed their fraud around various different locations. And so that was initially pictured in my mind because that's my background. You know, we would follow individuals or specific groups for for weeks, months on end, you know, following them every single day and layering all this intelligence and building it up. And actually, since I've started this role, I mean, it's just, you know, it'll be following tens, if not hundreds of thousands of individuals daily wow. that are constantly shifting their online presence. And you know, it's the, 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 the size and scale of it is just, yeah, it, it really is just huge. Yeah. Um, so that's probably the main difference from, from what I would previously done. But it's, it's the same still theory. It's just a case of, all the work that we do do from our intelligence gathering and that initial insight, we need a way to automate that, and we need to extrapolate it to the to the aggregate and to that lot much larger. Yeah, yeah, the, the thousands and millions of transactions are happening every day. Yeah, and that's where the machine learning comes into. So it's a case of all the insight that we can gain from the intelligence team, from you know, my military background, police background. We've got a data scientist. We've got a, a, you know someone that's from academia. Um, all that insight is pulled together into a way that can we action this in a way that can be automated through the machine learning yeah I think I don't answer this question but I'm going to ask you anyway because um, a lot of time we a lot of time we as an organisation get asked about the conflict between uh, I guess human and machine and mm -hmm. will machines take over and this is a bit of a science fiction concern that yeah. you know machines will take over the world uh, I mean where do you stand do you think it's always going to be this sort of human machine yeah um, cooperation, I guess, you want to put it that way, to, to get the best results, or yeah. will the machines be able to replicate with yeah. great respect? That's how <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, it's a difficult question, and maybe I'm biased in, you know, I've only been here for nine months and I've come from a, a very different background. Yeah. I, I'm still very pro machine, but I see it as a 50 50. The, the, the machine learning that we use here and the automation, it's a tool. Um, and it's a tool that is best used with the direction of human insight. And there's there's still many things where, yes, a machine can do it far better than I can. And, yeah. and hence the reason why I use that to extrapolate to, to, to much larger numbers. But it still conducts its work within the parameters that we set it to. And as imaginative as we are and as with the various different things that are being brought on by the detection team, it's still very much a case of we need that insight from intelligence officers that are seeing it on a daily basis, understanding the methodology, understanding that, that you know, and I keep referring to it, that, that tradecraft, that direct attempt by fraudsters to avoid detection. And right. from that, you know, using that insight to then understand the underlying mathematical you know, signals-based intelligence from that and then automate it. But it's a 50-50. I, I really say it's a 50-50. We couldn't have just machine learning and we're just gonna create loads of random features and calculate lots and lots of different things. You know, one, computationally, it's impossible. Um, two, it'd just be randomized and actually, that's almost as bad because you, know, you can get very good with random data, but it won't be persistent. You know? So no, 50-50 in my opinion. 
but the yeah. robot orchestra needs a conductor. That's it. Still. Yeah, it's yeah. a tool. It's a tool. It's a very very good tool, but it's still a tool that's better with human direction. Okay, one last question. Um, in the sort of nine months you've been here, I mean, what's the most satisfying part of your job? Do you think? I, I have to say, it is that it's it's especially when you see something that we've missed and taking that offline and looking at it and generating a theory or even from you know, reading some sort of you know, fraud article or you're reading a, a blog post somewhere somebody talking about fraud and understanding that, understanding that underlying methodology that they're trying to employ to avoid detection or you know, conduct their fraud and whatever reason, being able to then identify that in our data by saying, okay, yeah, I've got that, I've got that tactic they're employing, I can now query our database. Can I see that tactic from a signals point of view? Yes, I can. Mm-hmm. Can I now communicate that in a way to the detection team that they can now create a machine learning feature off that? They can. We can now push it into um, our live environment. We can then train a model based on that using that feature. And then when you see that feature actually pop to the top of importance, it's very, very satisfying to know, yeah, we've now taken through that entire intelligence process of identification all the way to action intelligence, and then we can now see it working in the live environment. That's very, very satisfying, especially when it's quite hard as well, especially when yeah. you're staring at data for quite a long time or you're reading fraud forms for a long time, and then you finally get that one little, little nugget of information that actually brings the whole thing together, and then, yeah, you've got a, you've got a solution. Great. I thought you were going to say dealing with customer queries. <laughs> well, yeah, that as well. <laughs> that as well. All right, listen, Sam, thanks very much. That was really great. Yeah, no problem at all. Cheers.